The AJHL podcast makes its long-awaited post-Christmas return. Happy New Year, everybody. Nathan Crosby and Brooks, Brandon Ewan Trashen and Spruce Grove. Happy New Year to the both of you. And, Nathan, let me start off with you with a busy trade deadline. Uh, it would have been nice if we'd been able to talk a bit before it, but we were all variously in different parts of the continent at, at different times. It's it's good to be back in a, a sense of normalcy and a sense of normalcy with the, the deadline as well because this is the first time since pre-COVID teams actually had to be down to 23 players. And in your team's case, in the case of a few others, it means – it meant they had to make some interesting moves to get down to that 23 number of, of regular carded players. Yeah, good to be back on the podcast. It's been a little little bit of a break there. Uh, interesting trade deadline, not just for Brooks, but I think throughout the AJ and actually in junior hockey in general. My goodness, the Western League, that was crazy what was happening there. I uh, didn't quite see um, that happen at our level just because we don't have trade picks here but uh certainly uh an interesting day and and for brooks you know acquiring the two players from the bchl uh and david patella who was captain in merit um and then you know couch and acquired his rights and then include him in, in the in the deal with aaron brown uh big left shot defenseman uh you know i like this trade uh for the bandits acquiring two big players um bringing some size and you know uh, unfortunate that you have to give up uh, three players and and Ethan O'Halloran, who's been a uh, a great long long serving bandit since the 2020-21 season. Um, you know he's, he was just approaching his his uh, 100 games played mark in Brooks. So uh, sad to see him leave. Uh, really liked the kid and uh, all the best to him in, in Cowichan and then Ethan Decay Quinn Disher also uh, going there as well. So a pretty significant move uh, from a Brooks standpoint. And then, uh, Brandon, to go over to you real quick, Spruce Grove with a, a big acquisition pre-deadline. Yours was on January 5th, but we'll we'll include it because we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. Uh, that's a three-way trade, and, and i got to say kudos to you guys for calling it a three-way trade, and it's actually a three-way trade because teams give players. It's like the recycling motion, like we were talking about a little bit pre-podcast. But, you know, the old way of, of measuring those trades is to say whichever player got the best player in the trade wins the trade. And in Spruce Grove's case, you get Carson White, an extremely talented player. I think in terms of need maybe this was biggest for Camrose because it was pretty clear that that goaltending was something they needed to address so they get Freddie Halleck in there and he's had a, a good year with Lloyd Minster as well but I've got to assume the Saints are pretty darn happy because you basically give a forward to his hometown team with Cabana going to Lloyd Minster and you get a really good contributor right away yeah yeah and and obviously it, it's tough to see Cabana go he spent a couple seasons in Spruce Grove and he was a well-liked member of the team but yeah he gets to go home he grew up like an hour and a half, two hours away from Lloyd Minster, so he gets to play in front of his hometown crowd. Yeah, I think he kind of nailed it there where you say uh, Halak going to the Kodiaks from the Bobcats was a big need for Camrose. Um, and then, obviously, Carson White coming to Spruce Grove. He's only played two games. He hasn't had a lot of practice time yet, so he hasn't got acquainted quite yet with the Saints system, but he moves well. He's a speedy guy up and down the wing. He'll be fun to watch here in the future as he gets more acquainted with the squad. And then, yeah, just yesterday, another big one, uh, Tanner Dawkins comes in from Drumheller, beefing up the blue line a little bit. Uh, he won't. He will not play tonight versus Lloyd. He'll probably play Friday against Bonneville, but nonetheless, another big acquisition on the blue line. And it's always fun to to ask the GMs how those three-way trades went down because one guy's kind of got to orchestrate it with the two GMs and then shop a guy around and find out, okay, well, if you want to get rid of your goaltender in Nigel Dubé's case in Lloyd, where does he want to go? Can we find a home for him? So it, it was cool to talk to Rob and see how he kind of worked out the details. But, yeah, the, the recycling motion definitely in play there is 
Spurs Grove gets uh, two guys uh, ahead of the deadline. But I'm going to say that the biggest deal yesterday in the North Division for sure was the Tanner Klimke acquisition by Whitecourt. Um, and you go back to Whitecourt last Friday taking down Spruce Grove on home ice there in Spruce Grove next Tuesday. Um, <clears throat> there is a gap there for sure between one and two in the North, but Whitecourt is definitely pushing to take down the Saints, especially come playoff time. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that for for a couple of reasons. A, because I agree with you, that was the biggest trade. Uh, B, because looking back, I was listening back to a few of our previous prod- podcasts. I don't think we've mentioned White Court once. And, and it's tough because there's 16 teams in this league, but White Court's having one of its best seasons. And they're clearly the key challenger, I think, along with Bonneville to supremacy for Spruce Grove in the North. And we haven't said anything about them. So good to see that they obviously kept pace and gave us an opportunity to talk about them. Nathan, maybe let, let me connect it back to you as well, because this obviously affects the South very much too, because it's kind of a familiar story for Olds. Last year, it was it was you guys in Brooks with um, Noah Hackett and Josh Zinger going to Brooks um, in exchange for what became a four-player deal of which those players aren't with Olds anymore. And now here's Olds going through that process again with that Klimke deal. Um, they end up moving two players for, we assume, players to be named later because they acquired a couple earlier in the day. And my assumption is that meant they were out of cards because once you've added two, you're at that 25. You've got to cut back down to 23. Um, so your thoughts, Nathan, on on what that means for the battle in the North, but also maybe what it means for the long-term outlook for Olds. Because I was listening to an interview Scott Atkinson did with Galen Hartvigson yesterday, and they said they still think they have a good team and want to make a playoff push and without those guys in the lineup that's going to be pretty tough for them it is and they just had a head-to-head against calgary on the weekend that didn't go their way and those head-to-heads are so important if they want to get in, into the playoffs uh Klimke, i really liked this player uh in the games we we saw olds this season good skater and i, I think that's a huge uh acquisition for white court as well you know the south is interesting camrose they get the goalie uh, Andriakos, they send back east, and and Halleck comes in, and it seems like the the team has you know the the eleven game slide is over. They've won a couple, and so they're I think the Kodiaks trying to maybe say that we're not out of this yet. Uh, we're still gonna uh, you know turn this thing around. They get DeBurs from from Fort McMurray, and then back to Olds. I mean, it's crazy now to see. Uh, in that whole deal for Hackett and Zinger, it's kind of all now, as you said, there's none. No pieces of that left in Olds with Liam Hughes going uh, the other way. Jared Wales playing at Anchorage this season. So, yeah, that what a deal that was a year ago. I still look back on that and, and think that has to be one of the, the bigger trades we've seen in the last decade in this in this league. Um, so, you know, I thought in the South it was, you know, Camrose made some moves. We made our move. Calgary, you know, they, they sent Setter to the BCHL. They get a player in. But I, I, I think it was relatively not as – it wasn't that frantic in the South Division. I thought the North uh, was certainly interesting, and I think it's pretty tight in the North. Uh, and so you could see why, uh, you know, Bonneville, I, I, you know, White Court makes the big move for Klimke. I thought maybe Bonneville might add, but, um, you know, Bonneville's still got a really good team. So, uh, and and going to be uh, uh, fun to watch here in the second, or the last third of the season. Well, and Brandon, back to you on the North here for a sec, because the, the Liam Hughes trade really interested me with, with Fort McMurray picking up a player who's uh, an overager who's done at the end of this year. You know, obviously a, a high-end player nonetheless, but in talking to or in hearing that interview with Scott Atkinson yesterday in Olds, um, the explanation with Hughes was that he had requested uh, to finish the year somewhere he was, he was, guaranteed, he was more guaranteed um, a playoff run. 
And my question to you, Brandon, without ruffling too many feathers like we always do on this podcast, is how deep of a guarantee does Fort McMurray have? We talked about that a little while back. If their only move was to move Nick DeBurs down to Camrose and then add Liam Hughes, have they addressed what they needed to get back into that conversation with the Spruce Grove, White Court, um, Bonneville sort of trifecta we've been talking about at the top of the north? No one else has really fully penetrated that, though, to be perfectly fair, they did have an awfully good early performance against Brooks uh, just last weekend. Could have come away with two points in that game. And then we'd definitely be talking about Fort McMurray as a legit contender for the top of the North. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be f- interesting to watch. I'd say that the question might be answered a little bit more accurately maybe at the end of February. Saints take them on three times in the last two weeks of the season. So that'll be a, a pretty big telltale. But with with Hughes going there, it's ultimately up to the coaching staff to get him acquainted, get him into the system. Um, they have good goaltending. They have a pair of good defensemen. They're good up front. They have all the tools on place in paper to be a really good hockey team. You, you saw that with the game against Brooks. They were definitely in the game. They could have won that hockey game had Brooks not taken over in the third period. Uh, we'll see how things go here throughout the last month of the season. But those last three games in the final two weeks of the season could be a preview of a playoff matchup, but it'll really set the stage to see how Fort Mac's going to go come playoff time. So Fort Mac makes a move, but not not a massive one. And then Nathan, I want to ask you about the the players or not the players, the teams that didn't do anything at the deadline this year. Um, one of them is my team, which which stood pat and is uh, just going to roll with the uh, the players that we have. What, what's left of them because we had like eight forwards in our our last game. Classic uh, classic Okotoks roster challenges and. I would say I'm looking forward to seeing you on Saturday night, but we'll see what the lineup looks like before I actually finish that sentence. Um, so you got Okotoks as one of them, but then there were two that a little bit surprised me. I expected them to look to do something, and, and odds are they probably were trying to, and maybe it just didn't fall into place. One being um, Bonneville up in the north, um, and the second being Blackfalls in the south, because Blackfalls, you know, traded one of their forwards back to the CCHL in Ontario um, right around the Christmas break. I can't remember if it was before or after. And that brought them down to 12 forwards. We then played a two-game set against them last weekend, and they only had two scratches. Both were defensemen. So they've only got 12 forwards on the roster. And I was, I was you know, pretty sure, use that old Simpsons reference, you know they're going to do something, and you know it's going to be big. And then nothing came down on, on January 10, and it looks like they're going to roll with 12 forwards, you know, despite being a team that's right there with Okotoks for that number two spot in the South. Yeah, and I mean, I think Doug Quinn has to be happy with what he ha- has in just their second year. I mean, they're they're a good team, and they're right in the mix. Uh, yeah, I'm going to miss my buddy uh, Bill Gorgon, if I'm saying his name right there. He was the player that shot the puck that uh, deflected up and just missed my head Uh earlier in the year in Black Falls that made the news. So, uh, okay, I, I was there, like, not so long after. Sorry to interrupt, but that was close, man. That was close. Because that's oh, yeah, exactly I broadcast there I for the first too. time, yeah, last weekend, yeah. and I saw that. That's a big dent in the, in the drywall there. It was either a very high-velocity puck, very weak drywall, or a combination of both. I think it could have been. The funniest part of it all was he felt bad and waved to me from the ice and said, sorry, <laughs> as the game was happening. And so, uh I don't know if his coach appreciated that, but uh, anyways, uh, uh, what were we talking about again? Um, uh, Blackfalls yeah. having 12 forwards and Bonneville not doing anything. Yeah. Oh, just back to your point. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend, Tyler, and, and us getting a Brooks-Okotoks matchup. It's been way too long, in my opinion. October 8th is the last time Brooks and Okotoks have played. They had a home-and-home home series that weekend. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend, there were some fireworks in the game there in, in, in Okotoks. 
So uh, long overdue for a bandit oiler matchup. So uh, really looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. And, and Bonneville too. And I, we just saw Bonneville. We were just on our road trip up North and what a weekend to hit that, those two teams up Fort Mac and Bonnie for us, because they were just coming off that new year's day uh, fracas that saw both coaches get suspended and, and multiple players suspended. So it was a strange weekend for us uh, up there. Uh, so, but I, I, I still think Bonneville, you know, it's going to be interesting when the playoffs come around and Bonneville gets in there, they have a different coach now. What, uh, you know, is this a team that's preparing for a big run? I mean, I, I think, uh, they're, they're definitely in the mix in the North. I mean, Brandon, to go back uh, to the North for a second here, another interesting thing I forgot to mention with White Court that kind of surprised me, it looks like they're rolling with three goalies um, down the stretch as well, which is going to be um, an interesting dynamic. I can't remember the last time I saw a team doing that in the regular season. I'm assuming one's probably going to be affiliate carded down the stretch, but when it comes to goalies, that doesn't really matter as much because the, the affiliate player game limit is 10. Um, so that makes things kind of interesting up there. And then I was wondering what you think about what Sherwood Park is going to look like down the stretch because they're a really interesting group this year where at various times I've thought, Oh my God, they're going to be incredible. Oh my God, they're going to completely collapse. Oh my God. I have no idea what I'm talking about because whatever I predict with Sherwood park, the opposite tends to happen. What's your gauge there? Because right now they've got a good chance of having home ice in the first round of the playoffs, you know, despite the fact they had plenty of off season upheaval and they're clearly, you know, reshaping themselves this year as a, as a franchise, not just as a team. Yeah, and I think we talked about it a couple episodes ago and just on Evan McFeeters and the job that he's been able to do there. He's completely turned that place around, um, and maybe he's doing it in a quicker timeline than what we thought initially. Uh, getting to talk to him and see him in action more closely at the uh, World Junior A Challenge was pretty cool. He's a very good coach. He's a very smart guy. He recruits well, and he is very good at pre-scouting and playing his opponents properly, and I think... We saw that a lot when, when they took on Spruce Grove here on December 30th. Uh, he's playing the Saints. He's not just playing a hockey game, and I think he does that with every opponent, and he's now being able to muster up some wins in that sense. And if you get him against a good matchup in that first round, and maybe it is on home ice, I wouldn't be surprised if he took down a Fort McMurray uh, or, or a Bonneville or somebody in that first round. We'll see what happens. And, and just back to the white court thing, I know they really like Carson Ironside. He's been a big part of their franchise for a while. He's a local-ish kid. He's from St. Albert, just an hour and a half up the road. And he, he wasn't dressed on that game uh, last week. They went with Lachlan Gordon, who played his first AJHL game. Uh, he spent some time all around this year. He was in the Western League. He was in BC. He was in the MJ. And now he's in the AJ. So he's floated around a bit, but he showed very well. I mean, Spruce Grove, 40-plus shots in that hockey game and only scored uh, three goals, and he won the game in a shootout. So, yeah, the three-goalie system is, is interesting. Uh, it could definitely come in handy during playoff time when there's lots of workload put on those guys. There could be some injuries. So interesting choice, nonetheless, by Sean Martin, but it seems to be working out so far. And a uh, pretty interesting pickup for Sherwood Park, getting uh, that player from, from Melville out of the SJ where he's putting up numbers uh, with the millionaires. So uh, Sherwood Park adding some offense there. And just back to your question about teams that sat Pat back to the south because it kind of seemed like the south was a little quieter. But, I mean, Drum made the move with Spruce sending Dawkins up to the Saints, but really didn't do much else. And how about That's the Canmore true, Eagles? Yeah. The Canmore Eagles are, I think, a, a, a team that will, you know, 
they're they're going to do their usual thing, get into the playoffs, and make life difficult on whoever they play. And and they kind of they stood pat as well. So uh, you make a good point as well. I was actually just looking up as we were talking about the the trade Sherwood Park made um, to get Noah Wills in from Melville. That's a guy who had fifty points in the SJ last year. And I remember seeing that trade and thinking, what's Sherwood Park doing in doing bringing in a rental this year? But then I checked and he's an O three. So this player they've gotten in from Melville, and I know SJ stats, they don't always translate perfectly, but Brandon, as you well know from a particular player who won the AJ final with uh, Spruce Grove not long ago, sometimes SJ stats do translate over really well. But he had 50 points in the SJ in 52 games as an 18-year-old, and then this year had 39 points in 34 games. So really interesting pickup by by Sherwood Park there, and it could make the the, the race in the North uh, a little bit interesting. I totally agree with you, Nathan. I completely forgot to mention it, that the drum not really changing things up one wonders what their what the what their expectation is for their team and i guess it 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 raises the the overall question nathan which is how confident is brooks right now because you're in a position statistically where you're almost certain to finish first in the south you're the only team in the south that has clinched a playoff berth mathematically and you know how how confident is this team right now that that trade that they made doesn't smack of desperation or a need to change things up it's more is just a a roster you know adjustment to get ready for the year what's the what's the feeling with brooks right now as as compared to this point last year where let's be honest a lot of things were foregone conclusions at that point i think pretty confident i mean look at the look at last week three straight on the road and two of them we're come from behind wins. We were down by two in Drumheller on Tuesday, came back and won. And Friday night, the game you guys talked about in Fort McMurray, uh, again, once they finally got the goal past Nest there in the second period, it, you know, they, they were able to come back and win. So looking like a very confident team that, and I think some of these teams, you know, have uh, gotten these leads on, on Brooks and, and it's been interesting to see how uh, the game goes from there. And, and so the Bandits clearly show that I, I think they're a very confident group right now. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I will wrap things up real quick by going to our um, points that we're looking ahead to for the for the coming week. I don't remember what we all said on the last podcast because it was like three years ago. So we'll we'll leave that one, but we'll keep holding ourselves accountable moving forward now that we're back into a regular routine. I'm going to go first because usually I save myself for last, but I'm going to get this out of the way and say I'm obviously really looking forward to Saturday night, um, being back in Brooks, seeing Okotoks and Brooks play each other. Um, but at the same time, I'm almost equally as excited about Friday night Okotoks against Olds. And I know that sounds really, really weird. Why would you be just as excited about Okotoks playing the Olds Grizzlies? Because I want to see if what was said on the radio by the Grizzlies really does hold true. Is this still a team that thinks, despite moving two of their top players, that they're still in a position to make a run for playoffs? I think Friday night is going to be very telling because Olds has played tight with Okotoks in quite a few games this year. Um, well, we haven't, we only had a couple, uh, but we've got a lot of them down the stretch as well. So whether Olds is serious about that or not, has a huge impact both on Olds and I think on Okotoks as well because they're such a big part of our schedule down the stretch. Brandon, your big points for this coming weekend. What are you looking for? Uh, first off, let's take a look at White Court. They take on Black Falls this weekend, and they're in very similar spots. Although they're in different divisions, very similar spots within each division should be an interesting matchup. Sherwood Park has Fort McMurray and Bonneville. So you're talking about Evan McFeeters getting a test. Here he, here he comes. you got two big rivals coming in this weekend, so two big tests for Sherwood Park. And then Spruce Grove takes on Bonneville on Friday. Bonneville, the only team to hand Spruce Grove losses on home ice. All granted, one in overtime, one in the shootout, but still L's. So let's see if the Saints can stop Bonneville from winning at the Grand Fear. 
Nathan, what's your what's on your docket for this weekend besides hopefully leaving some candy for me in the visitors broadcast booth? Yeah, I got the Jolly Ranchers here in my desk uh, ready to go. Yes. Uh, well, let's you were talking about the SJHL and translating to the AJHL. Well, I'll give you two players who Brooks got from the SJ that have worked out nicely in Kalen Fitzpatrick and Elliot Dutill. Fitzpatrick had seven goals last week, and uh, so I'll be watching to see if he can continue his torrid scoring pace and it seems like playing at the world junior challenge has really given him a a large boost because he's been playing really well and Elliot Dutill has 21 goals this season Uh, and I think this is just an awesome weekend at the CRA in terms of matchups we got drum coming in on Friday night so our fans always get excited about that game and we just saw them last week and it was a terrific game in drum so we see you know we're running out of games with drums, so that's a that's a big one on on Friday night and 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 Saturday as well. Another rival coming in with Okotoks. I I don't love the backloaded schedule, but it is what it is. Um, I I would have loved to have seen Okotoks in like November or something, but it, that's not the way it goes. And now we get to see Okotoks four times here before the end of the season, and so this will be a nice indicator. I like honestly, man, I'm gonna have to do like a lot of of going back and figuring <laughs> out o- Okotoks because. At the beginning of the year, we played you guys like three three times in the preseason and then twice in like early October. It felt like a lot of Okotoks and nothing since. So uh, and so Fitzpatrick and, and the great division matchups are my what I'm watching this weekend. Absolutely. All right. Well, both of you appreciate the time as always. The AJHL podcast back and better than ever. We will talk to you all next week.